podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! It's Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast. Hello, I'm Chris. In the short term then, it's going to get down to the wire, isn't it? As the Rams are still battling to preserve their championship status. And long term, it's been a week where we once again receive news which could change the course of our club for years to come. Uh, Richard's here. You all right? Had a good week? Hello. Yeah, pretty good week. Uh, just counting down the days. Well, tomorrow, pubs open again. So I've got my eye on a couple of pubs in uh, in the Cotswolds I'll be dropping dropping into hopefully to sit in some uh, luscious pub gardens over the next few days don't blame you uh, I've got three days off work tomorrow haircut and gym Tuesday <laughs> uh, brunch shopping and then a pint with our very own Tom Martin it's going to be glorious and then really? Wednesday well, I wasn't invited well you're about 100 miles away it seems <laughs> impractical and then uh, Wednesday decorating I'm getting right in the mix Tom Tom's here as well back with us on the podcast you're only used to break at the moment aren't you mate how's uh how's it been being a man of leisure i hear there were some penalty heroics for you in goal for your sunday league team the other day uh yeah there, there are indeed um easter break was very nice thanks thanks chris and good to see you Kutch. um so yesterday we played the second game back from uh being in uh, after lockdown and uh, we had a cup quarter final uh, we drew one all decent game just like not many chances and then it went to a penalty shootout uh, set the tone for a dominant penalty shootout uh, performance by saving the first one and allowing the uh, rest of the lads to bury their penalties and we won 4-2 on penalties one of their players decided to try and penenka me and he hit the crossbar so he's a dick <laughs> <laughs> and any mind games from you in goal do you give it the old grovel our legs or do you like to go for the old like go and mess with a penalty spot or anything like that or do you just there's the uh, there's the classic sort of walk with the ball six yards and then put it on the six yard spot so he has to come and get the ball and then see how big and dominating I am and then they jump up and down and pull the crossbar down and then uh then yeah can you reach the crossbar Tom <laughs> interestingly not yesterday because uh in ha- Hackney Marshes uh there's a pitch that we were playing on and uh in the middle of the goal was a beach and uh it was actually about eight or nine inches lower than the rest of the uh the rest of the uh the ground so you you stepped into that and you went down about a, a good step or so so Reaching a crossbar was pretty difficult. I needed a ladder, but uh, didn't need it. Saved the penalty, mate. Dominating goalkeeper. And you just <laughs> uh, just said there, we could do one of those, couldn't we? But, uh, well, it's <laughs> yeah. bringing it seamlessly back to Derby County. It is five games to go. Uh, Derby 20th in the Championship. Seven points clear of safety at the moment. And with Rotherham's uh, catch-up triple game week coming up, it's going to be a massive seven days in our survival mission and with one win in our last 10, it looks like we may just have to rely on other teams not catching us rather than Derby County pulling away. Uh, the latest defeat, the 20th in the league this season, was against Premier League-bound Norwich City. A pretty tight game all in all, I thought. And when it came down to it, as with a lot of games this season, Kutch, it was a lapsing concentration. One poor defensive moment this time from uh, Craig Forsyth, which decided the game. Yeah, it was, and it was it was frustrating. Rain really, I think, was right in his post match comments. He said that we gave them too much respect in that opening twenty minutes or so, 
And we gave away a lot of free kicks though in that time as well. You know, there was a, a warning shot from it, almost exactly the same spot. Just a few minutes earlier, Kieran Dow hit the side netting from the same angle. And then Craig Forsyth, he didn't need to foul him. I mean, he, he was behind the man. He needed to chase the man. We obviously say that we want players to close down better on the side of the box, but he was coming from behind him. He needed to trust that the midfield or centre-backs would engage engage a Norwich player there. So it was a, it was a needless foul to give away. But you know what? What a free kick that was. It was side-footed, but it was absolutely shanked into that top corner. I, I don't think I've seen very many kind of curled free kicks hit that hard into the top corner. I'm surprised Dave Marshall even moved, to be honest. Um, so fair play to Kieran Dow for, for banging that one in because it was one of the best free kicks I've seen at Pride Park for a while. But after that, Derby did okay. And I think it's probably fair enough to say we deserved the point. I forgot to mention, uh, I have to say it's at start. Um, the podcast is sponsored and partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, uh, Derby's original craft brewer. But I was going to just bring you in on that one, Tom, that what Kutch mentioned about Derby deserving a draw, because you can say that, and we did, but what good is it really saying that at this point in the season? Like the ifs and buts, we could have had a draw. It's five games to go. We're still deep in trouble. And I think we've had that same post-match feeling so many times this season. We could have had something. We should have had something. And even if it was against the uh, the league champions in waiting, the best side in the championship, we're at a stage in the season now where could have had a draw just doesn't really do us any good in our position. We're incapable of stringing together any sort of run of results, this Derby team. We've shown that really. All we need really is just that one win or three, four points to, to get us over that line. So yeah, there was a great second half performance. It's all very well saying we battled and we made Norwich work for it. But I think for me, with the amount of chances we had, CKR having a great chance, Shinny missing a pretty tough, but what is basically an open goal, I would say that the Norwich game has to go down as a missed opportunity. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah, it is a missed opportunity. Um, but I agree with what you're saying in the sense that a good performance and battling at this stage of the season isn't enough. We need That's the sort of thing you say, okay, we did we did all right in the first sort of 10 games of the season. We're still finding our feet. Um, we've now had, what, 40-odd games this season and we are still finding our feet. And at the end of the day, the table doesn't lie. And I'm not a huge fan of the, uh, the sort of XG model, but um, there was someone who tweeted this morning and I can't remember the, uh, the account, but it had the uh, updated XG tables and Derby are pretty much exactly where they should be. Um, I think we actually have one more point uh, than we should according to the XG model. And if you think about other performances and results that we've got this season, uh, I'll use Wickham as one sort of glaringly obvious example um, where we picked up points that we shouldn't have picked up. We got three and I don't think we should have had any. What goes around comes around and yesterday we didn't get the point that we probably deserve, but we've definitely had points when we didn't deserve them previously. Um, and Derby are in the position they're in because we haven't been very good this season. And that's we need, I'd say, two two wins from the next six to be to be safe of it. And really targeting Blackburn, who I think have won one in fifteen, uh, Sheffield Wednesday or Birmingham to try and get those uh, two of those wins that we need. As you said, Kurt, you've touched on what turned out to be the winning goal from from Kieran Dow. Still hurts me a little bit to actually say that. Um, I think we're going to have to just add him to that list of Derby County loan players who's just absolute garbage for us, but then turned out to go on to better things elsewhere. I'm thinking Omar Mascarell, um, Michael Keane, perhaps, Danny Graham. Any any other names you want to chuck in the mix there? 
Yeah, I uh, had Michael Keane as my one, but uh, you could also add uh, Jesse Lingard in there. Knew that was going to come, didn't you, Kutch? <laughs> I'm surprised that Tom. I'm surprised that Tom concedes that Jesse Lingard has gone on to bigger and better things because Tom has such an irrational hatred of him. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jesse Lingard probably a good. Well, Jesse Lingard, I thought did okay for Derby, so I don't, I don't actually agree with that because I actually thought he was okay. Yeah, you put me on the spot a bit there, Chris. I'm sure there's loads, but as as you know, uh, my memory is is woeful. Um, but Tom's got some more. I presume Tom's got like five in the bank ready to go. Obviously, uh, Jake Livermore. Uh, he plays at West Brom these days, and he was a uh, he was pretty pretty rubbish for us. I think he played sixteen games. Tom Carroll, I think, is at Swansea. He might even be the captain at Swansea, and he's been been pretty influential in their season. He was on loan for us from Spurs, I think. And uh, another one potentially. Um, this might might divide because I think he did okay. Patrick Bamford, he's definitely gone on to bigger and better things. And I thought he was a decent player, but frustrating. He scored some great goals, like the one at Sheffield Wednesday away. But was very I, I thought Bamford was good for us, to be honest. I know he's, he's quite a bit of an easy target, a bit of a hate figure because of his mm. uh, his histrionics and Leeds connections. But yeah, I thought I thought he did well for us and he's gone on to do even better for them. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I put Bamford in there as a big question mark, but uh, he's certainly gone on to bigger and better things than what maybe was expected having had his loan spell with us. Can I just say that we've got enough depressing things to talk about in this episode, so let's not dwell too much on all the players <laughs> that have done rubbish for us and gone to do excellent elsewhere because we've got enough enough negatives to, uh, to get through. What might have been, that's a whole other episode, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's... Uh... Um, we, we mentioned the chances that Derby had, one of them before Graham Shinney's effort was um, a pretty tough one for CKR, I would say, actually. Brilliant little through ball from Graham Shinney over the top. And CKR, I thought maybe his touch, maybe just let him down slightly, but it did get the shot off. And to be fair, Tim Crawl and the Norwich goal is, is quite brave to, to stand tall Good and keep it out. But that was about as good as it got. And then after that, Kutch you knew in the last 10 minutes we were going to get something. You could feel it building. You could feel the pressure coming up from Derby. And yeah, when it did come, uh, it was it was cruel. Way out of his goal on the, on, on the right or, or Derby's left. CKR closed him down, slid in, won the ball, got round him, squared it. And you're just asking for Graham Cheney to just keep his head down, hit it low and hard. And it's probably going in, isn't it? But he didn't. And instead, he skied it into the Derby Velodrome instead. He did look like he kind of snatched it, didn't he? It looked like he rushed it. It, it wouldn't, you know, his composure rating on, on Football Merger would be about five in that situation, I, I imagine, possibly possibly uh, less. I, I thought, looking at the positives, and I take all your points that, you know, uh, a good performance and unlucky not to get a point isn't good enough. Against Reading and against Norwich yesterday, we did create chances. And I would suggest that if we didn't have Martin Waghorn and, and Lee Gregory injured, who had looked like they were hit a little bit of form, possibly against Luton, we may well have got more goals than, than, than we did. And we're going to need to create chances in the upcoming games. But that chance from Shinny to CKR, where, as you just outlined, was, was a really good chance. And I don't think CKR could have done much more, to be honest. It, it would have been a very, very good goal if, if he managed to put it down and, and put it in. And, and Tim Krull, uh, unlike uh, Daniel Fark, who seemed to believe that Tim Krull had nothing to do all game, Tim Krull made several very good saves. So the, the Mengi chance, that when Mengi had that chance kind of coming back in after a set piece and, and Krull made a decent save diving to his left, it kind of reminded me of Tamori, uh, sort of one or two Tamori goals that he scored for us, you know, kind of getting on a second ball in the penalty box. So my, my main takeaway positive side is that we have actually created a few chances in the last two games and as Tom said I think our XG probably a little bit better in the last two games so they need to take that into the games against uh, Blackburn, Preston etc because we're going to need to score goals against them. 
You'd have to say, Tom, that, that, that Mengi has been largely a positive, I would say. You look back at his performances against Wickham and Cardiff, where he did look shaky and he did wonder if he was going to hold down a place, but he has done because of injuries elsewhere. And I think he's improved a lot in the last few games. And he mainly kept Timu Puki quiet against Norwich, who is back 25 goals this season. Obviously, Wisdom helped with that as well. And he put in an absolutely magnificent block in the last few minutes I can't remember the Norwich player who was about to pull it across, but denied literally a certain goal, a tap-in for, for Pukki, which would have um, killed killed off any semblance of a, a derby comeback. Rooney's been talking recently about having him back next season, on loan at least. Would you take him? I think I would. Uh, yeah, I would do. Um, as you say, I thought he was shaky against um, Wickham. I understood why we put him in there to try and have like a big sort of back line without sort of really putting wing-backs forward, like a, a Byrne or, or a Buchanan in that game. And against Cardiff, again, that, that performance defensively was pretty atrocious all round. So wouldn't necessarily point fingers at him. He's a young player uh, and a young man. He's learning uh, learning his trade. And I think he, he's come in and he stepped up uh, well yesterday. So very impressed uh, with Mengi yesterday. Uh, hopefully he can continue to build on that. If he continues to build on that, he'll get first-team football at Derby next season, without a doubt. So it would make sense for all parties concerned. Wisdom's out of contract. Clark is, uh, has his loan spell ending. Davis is obviously injured and 36 and his contract's expiring. So we need a centre-back. Um, why not have someone who knows the club already uh, and who's getting his feet under the table uh, this season to come in to, to start straight away next year? We're going to need him is the uh, long and short of it because as Tom said there, we've got a lot of players out of contracts, injuries and a thin squad. I think part of this coach is just having to get through somehow. I mean, it looks like a bench Yesterday, the likes of uh, Ebersaley coming on last few minutes to get to get some minutes. He's only 19. I think the current um, queue in the on the injury treatment room table is Byrne, Clark, Gregory, Waghorn, and Edmondson, along with the uh, long-term absences like Bielik. And I think it's right to say that we only have 13 senior first-team players available against Norwich. And I think that's probably quite evident against Reading with the players who ended up going off. It's just a case of getting through at the moment, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. And I, I'm hopeful that, I think, again, we've lost the last two games. But again, considering that the defence is currently missing the two most consistent performers in the back four, Byrne and Clark, I think they've done done okay, to be honest. Obviously, the Reading game, there was some there was some poor mistakes at the back in the Reading game, which ultimately cost us in a match, again, as I said, where we created the better chances and, and a more solid performance at the back would have probably got us at least a point, if not all three. But yeah, it is a, it is a case of getting through. I think Byrne was concussion, wasn't it? So I'd like to think he'd be back by Saturday if it is just concussion. I'm not sure. We haven't really had much in the way of update unless I've missed anything regarding Matt Clark. So not sure if he'll be coming back in. Jason Knight was dropped the bench at the weekend so he's probably had a, a much needed rest because he's looked a bit leggy recently also the injuries we've had have been to the kind of older more experienced players as i said burn clark isn't that old but he is experienced waghorn gregory as i said waghorn was looking a little better against luton gregory got his goal as well so they will they would make a difference to this team particularly in games against blackburn preston birmingham sheffield wednesday those players we're going to need those players back so Fingers crossed we do, because I would worry for us if we've got a, a team full of 19-year-olds in, in these kind of last five games. It does seem like, Tom, we talk about this every single podcast, but we do because it's the situation we're in. But how many points is it going to take? When are we going to be safe? Are we going to be safe? I was talking to my my in-laws over the Easter, the Easter weekend, uh, who are all Huddersfield fans, and my, my, my father-in-law thinks that he reckons 46 points 
sees you safe this season. I suppose you can only answer this depending on what Rotherham do with their triple game week in this week coming up. They're playing on Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday. I think all those three games are at home. And they're against uh, QPR, who um, who battered Wednesday at the weekend, Coventry and Birmingham, I want to say. So two of those are of massive importance. But as I say, we've asked this before. Do you think it's it's one more win? Is that all it takes at this stage? I actually think it'll be more than 46 points. Just looking at it, there's a lot of the teams have to play each other. Uh, like, as you say, Rotherham playing some of those teams around them and obviously played Huddersfield at the weekend as well. Like, I think they'll take points off one another. And it's one of those really weird situations where you're like, do we support Coventry and Birmingham to keep Rotherham down there? But then they go above us and it's then us and Rotherham or, or, or what, what, do, what do you want? It's kind of a double-edged sword. I think Sheffield Wednesday for me, there's, there's eight points between us and they've got a game in hand, but I think still eight points is too much. Even if they win that game in hand, it would mean five points with five five games to go. We should be okay from them. Um, Wickham, I think, are down and it's Rotherham to get out if anyone's going to get out of this mess. And I just think as long as we are above Rotherham, we'll be okay or above one other side. I think I think we need two wins. I take 49 points and I think Blackburn on Saturday is a massive game. If we can pick up a point there, great. We drag them into it if we pick, a, pick up a win because they, despite their hammering of us, and I think I tipped them to be an outsider for the playoffs at the beginning of the season, they started that way uh, and they've fallen away massively this season. So, so yeah, I think we need two wins to, to keep us safe uh, this year. And if we don't get those two wins, um, I'd be very worried about what we're going to do. I wouldn't I wouldn't be confident with if you said to me would you take 46 points at the end of the season no way we need we I would not be confident on us staying up on 46 points if you look at Rotherham they're basically going at a point a game for played 37 36 points let's say that you you take that you take that on that that's 46 points if you carry on their form across the whole season they're going to get 46 points obviously Sheffield Wednesday and Wickham are both on less than a point a game because they've got 30 uh, Sheffield Wednesday got 35 points from from 40 games Derby are on on 43 points from 41 games um look I'm pretty confident well I'd like to think we'd pick up at least one win from Blackburn and Preston North End. The next couple, I'm, I'm glad we've got another whole week because of the injury situation. So hopefully we can get one or two players uh, back into the team, but we should be looking to pick up, we should be looking to pick up at least five points from the end of this, from the rest of the uh, season, from the five games remaining, whether that's a win and two draws, five draws, or, or maybe a couple of wins. Um, and that, that would see us faith. I, I, I'd, I'd like to think 48, 49 would keep us up, but 46, I'd be very nervous about. You all say that it's about what we do, but look, Rotherham are down there for a reason. Even though they picked up some good results and they've beaten us twice, they're in the bottom three, even with the games in hand, because they're not very good. And this is also a team who drew of Huddersfield yesterday, 0-0, who got turned over by Wickham at home last weekend. So it's not unfeasible they could even lose to Birmingham and Coventry and Wednesday. So it might not be an issue. But yeah, what, what concerns me is that if they lose all those games, that 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 takes all those teams below us, above us. So there's a very real chance we could end the season on like 48 games and in 21st. So we could survive by the skin of our teeth, pretty much. And that's what worries me. But we will talk more about the relegation scrap. And of course, Derby County's prospective new ownership in the second half from Spanish entrepreneur Eric Alonso. Loads to talk about there, but uh, don't forget you can subscribe to Steve Bloomer's Washing Derby County Podcast. We're on uh, SoundCloud, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. 
Hi there, we county fans. I'm Branko Struper and you are listening to Steve Blumers washing. Raziak and Pesky Solido and Paddy Kenny spread himself, but here's Morton Biscord with a chance to put Derby ahead. He's taken it. A telling goal in Derby's season, and it's they who lead in this vital playoff showdown. So then, here we are again, new owners again, uh, a new takeover again. It's take two on the uh, 2021 Derby County new ownership issue after non-starter with BZI. Uh, It's come out last week then that Eric Alonso, a Spanish entrepreneur and businessman, football agent, boxing champion, whatever you want to call him, is... uh, is in the frame. He is the man who has taken over the club. He's waiting for it to be ratified and agreed by the EFL. Uh, his statement said, we're privileged to take ownership of one of the founding members of the Football League and to build a fresh future for the fans, staff and players of Derby County. Uh, he said he'd be making no further comment at this time, but uh, then did go on to do a number of, uh, of interviews with the likes of uh, TalkSport and Sky Sports, BBC Radio Derby, and even tweeted that the good times will return, boys. Uh, so much to get into on this. I'm not really sure whether to be concerned about a new owner who's, who's diving straight in without knowing what division we're going to be in next season. And he is an owner who's diving in without knowing if we're going to face further action from the EFL, which is still rumbling on in the background but what what's both you take what what's the take on it from both of you i think there are people who are in the let's wait and see let's see what he does camp there are people who are in the i'm extremely uncomfortable i'm extremely worried about his credentials camp um but kutch you were saying recently that it's okay to be both ways on this yeah i don't think i don't think there's a right or wrong answer the, the, the truth is we don't know and to when honest with any new owner you do not know and, until kind of you see what happens i think the point for me is that it's there's, there's evidence to support both those arguments. I think there's 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 things in what he said and the way he's talking and the fact simply that we're going to have a new owner with uh, fresh motivation and and hopefully fresh money, uh, but can invest in a squad that desperately needs some investment. And that's extremely good to be excited about. Um, it's also fine if you look at the fact that he hasn't really got any kind of football ownership experience. He, of course. Uh, represents a few football players. There's some kind of contrast information as to, to to what degree he really does represent some players. To be honest, I don't know the answer to some of those questions. He's supposedly f- at least friends with uh, Matt Salfell, who is in- involved at Charlton. Now, Eric Alonso has said that Matt Salfell won't be involved at Derby County, but he is he is a friend of his. He's name dropped the likes of Roman Calderon, former president of Real Madrid and uh, said that he may be involved as Derby County's club lawyer. Again, and what does that actually mean? Why does Derby County need a high-profile club lawyer sat in sat in Madrid? These are all things that we need more information on, and that's why people are sceptical. There's also rumours about, and this some, some uh, publications have publicised this, some haven't, so I'm not sure how true it is, but there's some connections to uh, a consortium in Indonesia, uh, a politician and, and kind of mining uh, businessman there. So maybe there's more money coming from there. Eric Alonso's family are supposedly relatively wealthy. I think about 150 million euros or so wealthy, which is a lot of money. Of course it is, but in the scheme of football and even compared to Mel Morris is actually not that much money. So I can see why it's divided opinion so much. I, I'm skeptical. I don't think it's going to be 
I don't know it's going to be horrendous. I don't know it's going to be brilliant. I think what we do know, or what it seems like, he will put his money in his pocket in those first couple of years, and that will be that will be welcome. Uh, it's what happens in a couple of years' time if things don't go well that you then have to be concerned. But we just, we just don't know, and that's that's why people are it's fine for people to be skeptical about it. Yeah, Tom, let's address the elephant in the room on this. There are red flags on Eric Alonso or things that people perceive to be red flags. Like where's the money coming from? He says it's all his, um, but it's still unclear what Alonso's overall net worth is. Uh, he's, he's eager to impress the fans. I guess that that's a good thing, but he's, he's, he's very vocal. And I guess people have doubts about this guy because they look at his record. We even said in our last podcast or the one before that, that, People like Chan Siri at Sheffield Wednesday have gone on the record as saying that he needed to show more respect, that he needed to act more professionally. And I think people look at Eric Alonso's age, he's 29, his previous dealings, and they worry that he's going to be headstrong, he's going to be naive, he's going to be, he's going to receive bad advice, he's going to make poor decisions. But on the other side of this, you can argue that. Mel Morris has done a lot of the things that we're worried that Eric Alonso is going to do. So the question for you, Tom, is do you think we just really need to cut Eric Alonso a bit of slack and give him a chance? Yeah, I think we we do need to cut him some slack and we do need to give him an opportunity. You'd hope that the EFL fit and proper persons test would do the relevant due diligence. But then again, I don't know how much confidence you really have with that, having seen Wigan Athletic last year, Charlton as well uh, in recent years, as was was mentioned with uh, Southall. So you'd hope that things and what he says are going to be true, but equally, it's quite easy to say things which are pleasing to the fans. I'm going to spend the money we're going to bring back the glory days they're all very easy cliches to sort of roll out and there is a lack of detail on it but the the things that i've seen there seems to be no debt or borrowing incurred in order to buy the club and also pride park is part of the deal now there's no detail on that from what i've then seen again so does that mean that pride park will be owned by alonso and therefore the it's owned by the club and the ground are owned by one one individual or, or or what? No one sort of really knows anything about the details. And that that is why they're skeptical. And as you mentioned about their character, there were allegations and I will stress allegations of uh, links to a right-wing political party, Vox in Spain, um, which have been issued with a cease and desist order, I, w- I would also add. Um, but clearly there's, there's there's obviously some some smoke there and there's obviously some sort of issue and there's been a, a relationship between those two two things. And they've definitely been strong allegations which have been made uh, and also have been strongly denied, I, I will say again. So we don't we don't know a lot about Alonso. If things turn out well, then great. If they don't, then then we're in we're in a lot of trouble. So it's definitely going to be interesting over the next couple of years to see what happens exactly with the ownership uh, side of things. And I, I really don't know which way it's going to go. Um, and for that reason, I'm the same as Kutch. I'm very sceptical. This is one that we go to you guys for uh, your shout. Your, your shout. shout. <laughs> Where uh, we just put the question to you guys on Twitter. What do, you, what do you think of it? What do you make of Eric Alonso? What do you make of this new chapter in Derby County's history? Loads of responses, as you'd imagine. Again, as usual, sorry we can't read all of them out, but uh, I'll be here all night if I did. Uh, Andrew Woodman said, I really don't know what to make of him. Says the right things, but so did Fawaz. Rob Wilcoxon, he said, at least relieved it's not BZI. Uh, Paul Mottishead said, you've got to give him a chance. Alan Rankin said, far too many people already tarnishing him before he's even had the chance to take charge. 
I'm optimistic he'll do the right thing for Derby. Uh, and Tom Rhodes said he just reeks of being a total charlatan who cannot back up any of his chat. Uh, but I'm going to stick on the positives, Kutch. He is open. He is communicative. He is enthusiastic. He is ambitious. And uh, let's face facts, he's taken the reins from our club, from a man in Mel Morris, who, after spending tens or hundreds of millions millions of pounds of his own fortune into the club that he loves, Mel is now unable or unwilling to take us any further. At least it is progress. At least there is new ownership. At least we can look to move in the right direction. And, and, And at least... It sounds like Alonso is all in. He's uh, he's moving to Derby. He's moving his family over. He's got a, he's got a son who is of school age who he's bringing over from the Rioja region of Spain, as well. I mean, we're not talking about here like a shady, shadowy consortium who are just going to lead Derby from the other side of Europe and just turn up to like a couple of games a season. We're talking about someone who wants to be embedded and integrated into the local community. He wants to get involved. He wants to get his hands dirty. So look, that's got to be that's got to be some sort of positive, right? Yeah. I mean, if I was him, I'd be playing the vineyard angle a lot more than he currently is. I mean, that tell me tell me more about the vineyards is, is what I <laughs> is what I'm saying um, because I'm all up for a a wine merchant owning Derby County. I think that'd be a great laugh, and I'm looking forward to the day we get to go and interview him and his family at a vineyard in in Rioja. Uh, it'd be fantastic. But. Um, yeah, he is saying all the right things. And as of anything, the proof will be in the pudding for want of a horrendous cliche. And I think the comments uh, in response to your tweet, I think it was last night, kind of quite nicely reflect the, the vast range of different views that we're getting from, from we're getting from fans and, and opinions. And I think in terms of what you said about, you know, Mel can't or doesn't either can't or doesn't want to keep running the club uh, and, and funding the club. And, and that's absolutely his prerogative. And he's, he's put a lot of his own money into the club. We, we desperately do need investment. So even if this is a short-term play and that could have repercussions down the line, we do need some short-term investment of cash to rebuild a squad. We need to improve that current squad. We need three or four players in that kind of 25, 26 year old age bracket. Cause at the moment we've got old players and we've got very young players and we have got very few in the middle. Graham Shinney, Nathan Byrne are probably the two exceptions that spring to mind. So we need investment there. That doesn't take 20 million pounds. That takes smart recruitment. I want to hear much more about smart recruitment, proper scouting, choosing targets properly, not just chucking 20 million quid at the problem. That's not going to solve it. We've seen that, as someone mentioned with Fawaz at, at Nottingham Forest, we don't need someone to chuck loads of money at loads of journeymen. We need four or five specific uh, targets identified and completed on, and they could be they could only they could be in the range of five hundred thousand pounds to five million pounds because smart recruitment will, will identify the value. And I want to hear more about that and less about twenty million, one hundred and fifty million, and all these stupid figures that he's banding around. I'd be much more on board if and when we get that plan. That's it, Tom. I mean, look, there is going to be investment. There is going to be better scouting and. Until this point, we've been in limbo. Our club is completely in limbo at the moment. We can't go anywhere without that investment. And if you're realistic, you'd have to say we were, we're treading water at best. We were on a downward curve, probably heading towards League One, if not this season. You can imagine with the current squad or without more additions, we wouldn't be in a similar position next year as well. So Kutch is right. We just want to see that Alonso can back up his talk with actions, that he can scout in the right way. He can exploit European markets because that's what we desperately, desperately need right now. 
Yeah, I agree with all that you said. And I think that we've got to be hopeful that that will be the case. My, um, just going back on like concerns, and I know it's come out in the last sort of hour or so while we've been recording, is that Alonso has been linked to so many clubs. He was linked to Sheffield Wednesday, uh, for example, with the takeover. He's also Cardiff have come out in the last hour and denied the fact that he uh, inquired to buy, th- buy them as well. It just seems to me that he's desperate to get involved in a championship club and to try his hand at ownership of a championship club and to to have a go at this bit of fun. And I, I, that's what worries me. And that's that's a real concern. Uh, and what worries me is the fact that he has said, banded these figures around like the 20 million, uh, if that's what it costs to, to take, that's what we'll do. As Kutch says, we've tried that way before where we've bought players on big money because of their reputation. And it hasn't it hasn't gone right. It hasn't worked for us. And what we do need is we, do, we need players who are going to fit together and gel as a team. And you don't need to have like big name players. You need to have players who are going to going to work well as a as a team and as a squad. And if you think about the the most successful team we've had in the last decade, that was built on a, a Nigel Clough team, which was put together for a pittance. Um, so it's not about the big money. Jacob Butterfield, Tom Ince's, and I know they're very different players with very different success at Derby, but I'm saying they they were big money signings. It's not necessarily about those sort of players to get you out of the championship. It's about putting together a team who are going to work and gel together. And I hope that he can he can do that and he has the right scouting networks. But I am sceptical because it seems very much like just trying to go and find a side who is in need of investment in the championship. It doesn't He doesn't care who that is. He just wants to have a go at this ownership of a, a championship club. Few more contributions from uh, from you guys on Twitter now um, for your shout. Andy Valens just said imminent disaster. Not putting any punches there. Billy said, "I'm never going to support a man tied to a party like Vox. I'll never give the club a penny while he's in charge." Ed said on Twitter, "Concern about his credentials, both professionally and personally." with a hope that he'll turn out to be as good as he says he's going to be. He seems adamant that the Vox stuff has nothing to do with him. I hope that's true. And uh, Simon Hutchinson said, as I career hopelessly towards my 40th birthday later this month, I fail to see how anyone of 29 can possibly be in charge of a football club. Uh, amen to that as someone in, in his mid to late 30s. Um, a, few, a few words from... Alonso himself then, because as we said, he has done a few media rounds. He has had his say. The uh, the chat he had with Chris Coles in Radio Derby is probably the most revelatory one. He said uh, he was asked about the Vox connection. So Vox, for those who don't know, are uh, from what we can tell, are an extreme far-right political party in Spain who, among other things, oppose same-sex marriage and... It's been reported that he that Alonso did have links with them. Alonso said, there's nothing true. Uh, Vox used my name to grow and to become more popular in the Rioja region. I'm not related to any political party. My ideas are my ideas. So he's distanced himself from that one. He also was asked by Chris Coles about, the, uh, about where the money is coming from, who is helping him finance this takeover. Uh, And he said, people have been talking a lot about the Indonesian backers. It's simple. I have a lot of friends in Indonesia, but that is it. There will not be Indonesian backers. It will just be me. Uh, And then he talks a bit bit about recruitment. And this is where um, (laughs) he he said, um, I hope I can find a striker like Steve Bloomer. Which I mean, that's a ridiculous thing <laughs> don't, to say. Don't we all? I mean, I take all. I take another Steve Howard to be honest, let alone Steve Bloomer <laughs> at this point. And I get what he's trying to say, but it just stinks of him just googling 
like Derby County all-time leading goal scorer and then just saying, oh, I'm just going to mention this guy for no reason. Or he's always a big fan of the pod. He's a big fan of the pod. Maybe. Um, in which case, come on, Eric, let's have a chat. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really seem to buy into that one. He seems desperate to be liked, desperate to say the right thing, desperate to get the fans on side. Hopefully that's a good thing. So, look, we'll leave that one there for now and see what transpires. We're going to do a quiz in a second, but before we do... Something else we just have to phrase again. It's, it's so depressing to have to talk about this, but again, more disgusting abuse aimed at some of Derby's players that you spotted, Tom, over the weekend. Yeah, Derby's uh, Twitter account said that they'd received uh, racial abuse towards um, one of their feeds and their streams and also to- directed towards some of their players, including Colin Cousin Richards. And it's really sad that we have to talk about this again. And we, we covered it a couple of weeks ago uh, on a previous pod. And it just seems like it's never going to go away. And and for one, I just really hope that if there's anyone out there listening and they they know someone or they've got a friend who, who decided to post this vile stuff, I hope they call them out on it because it's about time people stood up and called out people that they know. Um, and I really hope that I'll be honest, no one listening to this podcast at the moment would ever consider saying something like that or even thinking about it because it's disgusting and it needs to stop and we need to to get on like humans and just treat each other with respect. And racist abuse has no place in society and it has no place in football. Uh, and I support fully support everything that Kaz and Richards, uh, Derby County do in order to try and stop this. And social media companies need to do more. You know, I don't like to talk about what I do for a living too much, but I, I work for like a, a, a large... US tech company. And um, about a year ago, the site I work for, you know, they have user comments on articles like all publishers do. And some of them get hundreds or thousands of comments and dozens, often dozens of those comments were just horrifically racist and offensive and disgusting. So uh, my employers just made a decision to just remove all comments um, about a year ago, which was a, a big decision that was made at the time. We still don't have them. And for me, nothing's going to change until a similarly huge step is taken by Facebook or Instagram or Twitter in forcing people to provide uh, you know, identification when they sign up or forcing people to avoid remaining anonymous. But I think we've got to the point, we're just going around in circles, really, aren't we? It's happening again and again. And I think it, the ball is in the court of, of, of Silicon Valley, of the big tech firms, really. So hopefully, maybe something changes, Kutch. I think, uh, yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I, I do think that social media companies should be looking into identity verification to some degree. And the reason I say to some degree is that the reason people are a racist and sending racist abuse isn't because of social media companies. Social media is just the latest um, platform for which to spread that kind of hate and to and to amplify the kind of hate that someone has. So social media companies have a role in in cracking down on it in removing people from platforms if they behave in that way. I don't think that verifying your identity should be the the only way into uh, being able to have a social media account because there are good reasons sometimes why people have anonymous accounts, whether it's whistleblowing accounts uh, or that kind of thing. Um, So, but I do think there should be the option to verify your account and then uh, people can have the option to, in their settings, say they only wanna receive replies from people that have a verified account. And then that that's kind of the way around it. So I think there's kind of a middle ground that, that needs to be reached. But I was listening to yeah, BBC Five Live do an excellent job in covering a lot of these issues. And there was another fantastic discussion. It was Clinton Morrison and uh, Andros Townsend on Five Live. I think it was Monday night, this or earlier, sometime earlier this week. And they were discussing all of this and they made some really good points. But for me, there was like 15 minutes just slagging off social media companies. And I was like, you're right. Social media companies can do more 
but that's not the reason we've got there's, there's broader problems in society that, that means there's people who are racist in this country and we don't need to get into all of those i just think that sometimes a social media discussion can be a bit of a distraction from the real problem but they can do more Going back to football and any other business, uh, I found out today that it's the third anniversary for one of the best goals I've ever seen scored in my uh, in my life. And it wasn't actually for Derby, unfortunately, it was against us. Do you remember that volley for, by Ruben Neves on that really awful Tuesday or Wednesday night when we lost 2-0? Yeah. He brings the ball down and he absolutely hammers it into the top corner. Three years ago, that was. I can't believe it's been, it feels like a lifetime ago since that that happened. But what what a goal that was. That's it. Well, that seems too recent doesn't it considering yeah. how good Wolves are now and what I know they have, they've had a poor season in that in respect to last season but how advanced Wolves are and where we are I mean yeah. wow that yeah. and that just shows actually the transformative effect a good ownership can have on a mm. club and that's why again and people have mentioned the Leicester example regarding Alonso we didn't know much about the new Leicester owners and, and look where they are now and I'm not saying that's where Alonso is going to take us but that's why people have the right to be excited, I think, when you have a new owner, because the, the possibilities are endless on both sides of positive and negative. Three years ago today, since we lost to a wonder goal from a team destined for the Premier League and what's changed this weekend, very little. Well, it's good you mentioned that, actually, because it's good you mentioned previous results involving Derby, because I have got a belter of a quiz for you both. It's time to mix it up, I think. It's time for a new format, right? So... Uh, we always try to keep things fresh on Steve at Bloomer's Washing. This one's simple, boys. Five fixtures for each one. All you have to do is just tell me the result. Uh, you get a point for each correct answer. And uh, it's all, I've even got a theme tune for this. It's all Derby County related. So Tom and Kutch, get ready to play. Win, lose, or schnorr. Wow. Well, Chris told me earlier this earlier before we started recording that he had a he had a day off or two because he was ill. But now I know exactly what he uh, what he's been doing <laughs> during this I should, week. Um, got to point out two things. Um, firstly, that this quiz is in no way endorsed by 1990s German former Derby County left back Stefan Schnorr. and they, they just don't, they don't make quiz theme tunes like they, like they did in 1987, do they, Kurt? They really don't anymore. They don't. I'm a big pointless fan, and the, the theme tune is, is pretty nondescript. It's not on the kind of 80s, early 90s level that uh, we all grew up with. Yeah. What we'll do is I'll give you all the five results uh, first, and then I'll come back to you one at a time for you to give me your answers. Five games, best of five, or just however many. And you just want win, lose, or snore. You don't want the score. Win, lose, or snore, yeah. And if you say draw instead of snore, then you're immediately disqualified from the entire game. So uh, the first one is <laughs> Derby County v Wolverhampton Wanderers, August the 12th, 2017. Game number two, Fulham versus Derby County in the EFL Cup, October 28th, 2014. Win, lose or schnorr. Derby County versus Norwich, December the 20th, 2014 game number four Derby County versus Millwall May the 1st 2004 and finally Manchester United versus Derby County May the 5th 2001 
So those five Derby County games, was it a case of win, lose, or schnorr? This is not my strong point. I can't even remember games that we went to last year or even if we were going to games probably two weeks ago, as as, we, as we've discovered on the pod numerous times. So I think this is Tommy's massive favourite on this. I think he's odds on to, to wipe the floor of me here. Yeah, I think you're back, you're, I've got, you're, you're, your strategy coach is to really hope that Tom doesn't get one, take a guess, and then hope for the best, I would say. I I've got to say snore five times. <laughs> I've got three that I reckon I know the score of as well. Uh, do I get bonus points for no, score? No, bonus no bonus points. No, you don't. Of course I you don't. Think... <laughs> all right, you've all got five answers? Yes, yes. I've, I've just remembered one, I think, specifically as well. Game number one. Derby County for Wolverhampton Wanderers, August the 12th, 2017. Kutch, win, lose, or snore? I can't remember this one uh, specifically, so I'm going to say lose. Uh, I was the same. I initially went snore, but I then changed to lose. The correct answer was lose. It was Derby nil, Wolves two. One apiece. Fulham versus Derby County, EFL Cup, October 28th, 2014. Tom, win, lose, or snore? Uh, win. Win. Coach. Yeah. Win. The correct answer was win. It was Fulham 2, Derby 5, of course. First game after my 30th birthday, but you both knew that. Um, game number three, Derby versus Norwich. The weekend's opponents, December the 20th, 2014. Kutch, win, lose, or schnorr? Obviously, lots of wins recently against Norwich. I wonder if it's a Jamie Hansen goal, so I'm going to say win. I think this was the Bryson moment. It was an equaliser in the late, late on, so I'm going to go schnorr. The result was Derby 2, Norwich 2. So oh. it was a schnorr. Kutch, you're, remember, you're remembering the wrong game, which was also a draw, but Jamie Hansen did score in when he scored direct oh. from the corner. I think the same season. A schnorr, you mean? Not a schnorr, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, right. 3-2 to Tom. Game number four, Derby versus Millwall. May the 1st, 2004. Kutch, win, lose, or schnorr? No idea on this. <laughs> I'm going to say lose. Uh, Marco, Marco Reich, free kick, Derby 2-0. Yeah, Crucial relegation game. Derby to Millwall 0. Uh, Marco Reich, free kick. That was the game where we ensured survival in 2004. So it was a win. Was so, it at Pride Park or the Den? It was at Pride <laughs> Park, yeah. You were there, weren't you? I, was, I think I was there. <laughs> 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 of course you were so that's 4-2 to Tom Kutch playing for prize Man United versus Derby County May the 5th 2001 Kutch win lose or schnorr I think it was a Malcolm Christie winner win yeah I went the same thing there's a nice little theme here Chris of surviving relegation at the end of the year uh... yeah it's almost as if I looked this up beforehand uh, it was a Derby <laughs> County win so Kutch has restored a bit of pride uh, five full house for Tom of course obviously what did you expect so 5-3, but so what do you reckon? Win, lose or schnorr? I think it's a permanent fixture on the pod, I reckon. Yeah, could uh, could have gone down as a schnorr fest, but I think it turned out quite well. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll take three points. I got I got more than I thought I'd get. So three I'll points, not really in the same way, but I, but yeah, I see what you mean. Tom, yeah, this, this is very much up your street, isn't it? Uh, I, I love a bit of nostalgia and going going back through things. And over the Easter break, I've actually uh, taken all my tickets, which have been lying around, and stuck them into a uh, a prize book. So I can now look back fondly over the uh, various games I've been to of the teams, not just Derby County, that I've been been to. Remember the uh, remember the results. Look I didn't back go fondly to slash do some revision for future rounds <laughs> of win, lose, 
Oshnor. We're going to leave it there for this podcast. We will return in a couple of weeks. Probably a couple more for us for the season. Then I think, then maybe, Chaps, we might be able to do this in person again. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yes. And the season barbecue. But, Kutch, good to talk to you as always, mate. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Have a good week. Tom, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your holidays. See you in the pub on Tuesday. Yeah, all the best. See you Tuesday.